Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 224 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And Vic, I gotta tell you, this has been a weird week for news. There's been so much going on, but you have something that you want to get off your chest, so I'm gonna turn it over to you. Well, it's a a very brief thing that I wanted to mention here, because speaking of chess, you'll be seeing a lot more of it. Uh, I'm actually, I've been joking about the whole... uh, you know, MMA OnlyFans thing for a bit. I am actually going to be launching it uh, hopefully over the course of the weekend by Monday. So if you're looking to see more of me and willing to pay a little bit of money, sure, why not? I'll be available on the OF. And that is not a drill. That is not a joke. Yes, I'm going to be there because I'm a beautiful man. So there you go. Happy uh, whatever this is. What you going to put on your OnlyFans? I just got to You're just going to have to pony up some money and see now, won't you? Oh, my. No freebies, not in this world. Mm -mm. All righty then. Also, if you are interested in sponsoring the show or you know someone who might be interested in sponsoring this show, please email me, crooklyn949 at gmail.com. Now, on with the show. Vic, two videos got my attention this week, both of them featuring Dana White. Now, my first video is the one where he forgets the lightweight champion's name in the middle of a conversation he's having in an interview (laughs) about that champion's fight. Now he remembered the other champion's name. He remembered Volkanovsky's name, but he did not remember Islam Makachev's name. And I have to wonder if maybe that was a little bit of selective memory, maybe because he was being petty after Islam complained about the way that the fight was being promoted. So then Dana gives an interview and he's absolutely indignant, wanted to know who translated the interview because because Islam is Russian. So you've got to have a Russian translator in there. This is Dana's words. I just don't buy it. You know, we've been doing everything, this, this, and this. And I just could not help but think to myself, well, what about when you forgot just yesterday your own champion's name? Had to have someone else feed it to you. What about them? And then the other video. The other video came out believe it was either yesterday afternoon or maybe yesterday evening. In any event, it was sometime yesterday. Dana White is driving in his car and without a seatbelt, I don't really care about that. You know, the man's grown. (laughs) The man's grown. If he wants to go flying through his windshield, that's, you know, that's his choice, whatever. Let the, the law enforcement officials in Vegas handle that. But what got me was how he was going on about Slap League and how you'll be able to officially place bets on Slap League. And then he finally realizes, oh, yes, yes, I'm videoing in my car while I'm driving. And yes, I'm not wearing a seatbelt. I know some people are going to be fucking crying about this tomorrow. Boo fucking who? And the whole time, he's working his jaw and he's making all these weird motions with his mouth and he's constantly licking his lips and you know i'm not saying that he's tweaking i'm just saying it looks like he's tweaking <laughs> and the the combination of all of that stuff around dana white just The guy is constantly stepping on his own dick every day of the week. Now I realize he has fuck you money. But it's got to be a point where the the embarrassment, the the, the self-esteem's got to kind of fall down. The humiliation is constant with this guy. You know, I look through the, the tweets in response to anything that he has, and it's a pretty healthy mix. But... The mix is generally 
people that can spot his bullshit and those that are eager to lap it up. So, Victor, I got to get your take on these these videos that I just spoke of. No, okay, the, the first one, right, where he forgets mm. uh, Makachev's name. Maybe he's stressed out, you know, maybe he's got all this stuff going on with the uh, pressure that he might be feeling from the uh, humiliation that he suffered as a result of the New Year's slap thing and maybe slap league ain't going so hot and they put all this effort into the promotion of that and the ratings aren't paying off like you thought they would and you know the pay-per-view is trending well but they're not really doing much to promote it and i don't know they're he's just probably bothered that he's got to answer all these questions but see i don't really know that i want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that i don't know that he's earned that courtesy because the reality of that is buddy you're supposed to know who these guys are it, it is somewhat I mean, it is inexcusable. He should know. He should absolutely know who the hell he's talking about. And for him to forget that, I remember Ben Cohen actually earlier had a, a really good tweet about that. He said, do you think that he has uh, Islam saved on his phone as, as Khabib too? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> he probably does. He probably does. He's probably got like a little, you know, like a piggy bank with, a, you know, with the with the crescent moon and star next to it. Like, that's the only way he can remember the guy that, that he's addressing. You know, he's, he's just seeing him as his next uh, Muslim cash cow. I don't understand how that's a thing that happens. And I just were it not for Dylan Dennis. I think Dana White would be the guy who's absolutely racking up the most L's in the combat sports space just day after day because how 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 is this man like i love that we're living in the era of great unmasking we've been going through this since 2015 we have been seeing institutions and personalities and people that were thought to be unassailable showing their asses in ways that you're like you know what these people they're not really better than us they're not really smarter they're not really more competent when people would go out there and say like oh i could run the ufc no problem Okay, maybe not you, but a lot of other people absolutely could do a better job than this guy. How is this possible? This is your one job. Have you seen any ad spaces, any spots, any promotional material outside of maybe a couple of banner ads for this upcoming pay-per-view? No, I have not. You would be excused for not knowing that it's even happening. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most historically consequential pay-per-views with another potential double champ coming in one of the most skilled fighters in the world, one of the all-time greats in Volkanovski, taking on someone who's carrying an enormous burden of legacy on himself in Makachev. And, and, and what What are we really seeing here? We're just putting this whole thing on autopilot because why not? ESPN's forking over a ton of fucking money anyway. What does it matter? What effort do I need to bring forth when I've already got this and I can rest on my laurels? And that's where he's at right now. And this is the thing that really, when when you you sort of, again, take a step back and look at, at, at all of the abstractions and all the cracks in the foundation, you got, but still, you could at least, at least act like you give a fuck. Oh, I could have left ages ago. I don't have to be here. I don't have to do this. Then leave, bitch. You ain't got to be here and do this. You said so yourself. Why are you so invested in remaining this? If you're number one, you're not having fun, which one? But you don't need the money. You don't need the legacy. You're already established as a promoter. You've already done what you wanted to do. The only thing that you haven't been able to accomplish, and it's clearly something that's pissed him off, is Zufa boxing. And guess what? It's never going to happen because of the way he does business, because boxing doesn't operate on that plane. But fine. Let's leave that alone and move on to the next video, right? The one where he's driving. Why does he have to mention and point out himself that he's not, mm. that he's not wearing a seatbelt? Did it come up in the chat organically and he decided to address that there? Not Why that I could that? see. It's, uh, but I... Uh, Honestly, he could have seen something. Somebody said, hey, where's your seatbelt or whatever. But he made a point of mentioning it in the video. This this infantile defiance, Mm -hmm. this tantrum of a child, of a cornered and tired and old rich man who has lost touch with the rest of reality, who has no real... I I mean, why? Why are you... Oh, yeah, I'm not wearing a seatbelt. So what? Fuck you. Oh, okay. Okay, I mean, hey... You think that's harming me? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You think that makes you come across as a tougher looking guy, buddy? No, it doesn't. It just it just makes you look like an even less considerate asshole. Oh wow, you're out there uh, uh, looking real tough in your car while you're talking on live. 
I mean, you know who does that? Wacko conspiracy theorists on YouTube that are too henpecked to record in their own homes because they know their wives are going to yell at them for screeching about the Illuminati and the vaccine microchips. Those are the only people who do that shit online like that. This is, this is not someone who is well. This is not someone who is, uh, has true inner peace and, and is, is, you know, maybe trying to work through some stuff, but, you know, trying to get there and be in a healthy place. Not this. This is not like what Eddie Murphy said about the whole uh, bunny goony Google thing. Normal people don't do shit like this, man. You know, you don't know. Have you met anyone who does this sort of thing and be like, yeah, that's a well-adjusted individual? No, man. And look, you can. I understand that we shouldn't be out here playing armchair psychologists. I don't want to delve too far into this, but these are patterns and behaviors that I recognize very well from shit that I've seen in other people. This is. This is deranged, bro. You don't need to do this. This is are you are you doing this for attention? You're bragging that you're driving without a seatbelt. You look like you're not sober. Let's start there. <laughs> what are we doing? You couldn't wait till you got home to cut that promo to talk about how people can now gamble on the live slap event. Yeah, a whole lot of action going to be moving on that one. Boy, howdy. Can't wait for that shit to happen. You know what everyone's going to do? They're going to bet on the guy who slaps first. Because that's, that's that's who's got a higher propensity. I've been watching this shit for years. That's who usually has a highest likelihood of fucking winning. Like, what? God, what are we trying to accomplish? As Cedric the Entertainer once said, "What is we gonna do?" <laughs> you know, I... somebody replied to me. I had replied that no amount of money in the world was gonna make Dana the badass that he so desperately wants to be. And somebody replied to me, and I think that they were actually in support of Dana, but they, they unintentionally made an excellent point. And I oh, replied yeah. to him too. He said, I don't know, man, I think he's got fuck you money at this point. And that's <laughs> right. <laughs> He does. And that's why Dana goes out here and does this wild, cringy shit because he has fuck you money and he feels that that levels the playing field, that that somehow makes him more amenable, more likable, um, more relatable. You don't relate to anyone. You're driving around in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or whatever sports car of the week that you're driving without a seatbelt, but I don't care. Let him do mm. what he wants. That's fine by me. But the thing is, is how are you relatable to anyone when you're tipping waiters $1,000 for a drink, but you're starving out your own fighters? It just, you know, it's like you said, it doesn't make sense. So take I, me out of here, Victor. Give me something well, better. I just I just want to say one thing, because I think this is also germane to what we're addressing now. I want everybody, if you're, if you're into um, following the things that have been going on in Silicon Valley with NFTs and crypto and how that's whole, how this whole situation is collapsing, right? Um, there's a guy named Ed Zitron. He does public relations mostly. That's his day job. But he's been writing a lot about this finance stuff because he's super into it. And, you know, his his anger is is a delight to absorb because he's 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 hitting on all the right notes. And he said something about this new crop of like this this strange new group of billionaires and millionaires that we have, like at least back in the day, like the Carnegies and them, they'd have the decency and the good sense to just seclude themselves right. and not have to be around. You know, they they could just be rich and do depraved rich people shit behind closed doors. Now we have this class of people who not only want to rob you blind, they want you to thank them and love them for it. Yep. They want you to applaud and praise them for it. And when you see this thing here where it's like, you got fuck you money, you could be doing anything right now. You could be on a beach in Tahiti. You could be on a snow base in Antarctica. You could be hunting for aliens or yetis or whatever the hell you want. No, I want to be out here engaged in this conflict, eating this giant bowl of, of shit live on TV in front of the world. And I need for the world to make me feel like I'm doing a good thing. I must be martyred upon this rock. It's just, it's just fucking ridiculous, man. It just shows, again, rich people, they ain't better than you, man. Nope. Don't ever let this shit get you down, kids. I'm letting you know. Uncle Victor's trying to let you fucking know. These people, man, they, they ain't your fucking friends. If you ain't figured that part out already, <laughs> you will. <laughs> so you're going to oh, give me something better or are you going to give me something worse than what I gave you? I, yeah, I don't know how you want to categorize this. How should we, how should we rate this precisely? I'm not, I, bullshit, what kind of mood are you in, I suppose? That's, that's probably the question. Uh, I really wanted to 
get into something that made me a little happy, but then it also caught me a little sad, but not as sad as I thought. We're going to be addressing former UFC champion. Good God, that sounds good to hear, right? Good to hear not because of the former, but because of the UFC champion part. Glover Teixeira. We've addressed this man. We've sung his praises so many times. He finally made it to the mountaintop after years of toiling. And even though he didn't get to keep the belt, I'm glad he made it. I'm glad he was able to taste glory and, and blaze his name into the history books with a flaming quill. Good for him. Now he's done, and he decided to, um, you know, he, he stepped away. You know, we saw his retirement not long ago. And on a recent episode of Trocachal Franca, uh, he addressed um, the the topic of how he came to that decision, how he thought, how he realized that he was done. Quote, I started my career in the United States and had the opportunity to fight on the Brazilian scene to know everything about my culture and then to come back and end my career in Brazil. I'm so happy about everything. I said, this is the moment to move on to other to another stage. If I'm not fighting for the UFC belt, if I don't have that goal, I've never fought only for the belt. But I had that thing of I'm going to go after it. I'll win it again, you know, to go back and fight another fight only for the belt with no desire and hunger to get that belt again. I'm good, man. And that was it. That was really it. His wife was super supportive. He goes on to thank her and talk about all the pressures of being a father and a family man and having to deal with all this stuff and the toil of, of uh, trying to get yourself in peak condition, trying to be an elite level fighter and athlete. And then the, the sort of strain that that would put on the relationship with both his wife and his parents and everyone else. So, yeah, you know, he uh, realized that he probably was done. And he uh, talks about the Jamal Hill fight, and he says, I swear to you, there was a moment where Hill was ground and pounding that I had my eyes covered in blood and couldn't see anything, only the lights and Jamal's punches coming down. And I was like, fuck, the referee can't stop this. I'm not hurt, but I'm not doing much. I was in the fight the whole time. I fought until the end, and I'm proud of the fight. And that was it. He decided to put the gloves down. He's at peace, and he is more than content with what he accomplished, as he damn well should be. He did a lot, and he did so in tremendous fashion when a lot of people, including myself, unfortunately, thought he was done. But now he's going to move on to be a mentor. He's going to have a supportive role and bring up a new crop of fighters, right, to pass that legacy on and to make sure that he's bringing guys up. He's not pulling that ladder up. He's not slamming that door behind him, and good for him. I won't stop training. If there's an opportunity in the future for a match to do some boxing, you know, Popo Freitas boxed uh, YouTuber Winderson Nunes, right? Maybe I'll fight some heavy guy, a celebrity, and move my body a little bit. Why not, man? You see why I thought this was a little sad? I mean, he's done with MMA. Good. Then he says he wants to get into boxing. But, 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 very important caveat. He's not looking to fight for a title. He's not looking to go out there and fight the biggest, toughest boxer that's out there. He's not even calling out the Paul brothers. He's just saying, hey. I'll go out there and have a little fun. If something comes along, that that's the other cafe. He never said he was going to pursue it. He said, if something comes my way, if somebody makes me an offer. Precisely. Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up as well. If that is the case, this is probably the healthiest way mm-hmm. for someone to conduct themselves and to have that perspective. He's presumably got some money, right? He's got a school. He's got a bunch of guys around him that that uh, he's he's very comfortable with. He seems to be content with his state, and I don't think you can find any fault in it. I would rather he not have any of these fights again, but then again, you look at who he's talking about fighting, you set, look at the examples that he's putting forth, and you go, okay, that's not bad. <laughs> if, if this is the caliber of guy that you're fighting and not some young up-and-coming whippersnapper that's demolishing divisions, then hey, uh, can you fault him for that? Can you blame him? Someone's going to put a little money in his bucket. Someone's going to put some coins in his cup to go out there and put on a bit of a show. And he wants to go out there and have fun. I say, go for it. Ideally, have him fight to, you know, like Anderson Silva did. Do it on 9-11 again. Have Trump as commentator again. I want to see that. I think that would be pretty amazing. <laughs> it's just the best thing. Hey, you think Tito knows the difference? He probably thinks that uh, Anderson Silva got the uh, skin treatment that Sammy Sosa got. He won't know who the fuck he's fighting. It don't matter. I think it's an excellent idea. I think this is what they ought to do. If that's how they're going to do it, that's how it ought to go down. But otherwise, man, you know, you don't get to see it very often where a guy gets to either go out close to being on top or, you know, just at least doesn't go out as sad and has made this level of peace. He's not trying to go for the desperation play. 
and that does give me some bit of respite in a sport where we don't get to see that very often. Steffi, your thoughts. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think you nailed it very clearly when you said that this is the healthiest way to go out. And it really is. It's a perfect standpoint to take. He, I like the way he said, you know, I want to get out there, have some fun, move my body around. That part right there, move my body around. And clearly he wants to stay active. I love it. I also like the idea that he wants to coach. I think he's done amazing work with Alex Pereira. I would love to see him work with a bunch of others. Absolutely. This is a great feel-good story. I, I keep thinking about what he said about how Alex won the belt. How he said that he was happier seeing uh -huh. Alex win the title yeah. than when he won it himself. I love and that. I, that says so much about a guy. No, there is no other shoe to drop. I'm not depressing you with anything here. That that was the beginning, middle, and end of it, and and uh, and I think that's great. Well, I'm gonna give you the other shoe. Then, are you ready? Oh, it's gonna be one of those big red boots that's trending on fucking Twitter, isn't it? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Luke Rockhold. God damn it! Yep, Luke Rockhold. He has said that he is entertaining offers. Scott Coker has said that, you know, he's looking at options to see if there's a place on the roster for Luke. And then Luke gave an interview saying that something to the effect that if he couldn't beat one of the Paul brothers, he would leave forever. He would retire from combat sports forever. But if we remember Luke was talking about his last fight, you know, the Paula Costa fight, being it. That was it. I am done. I am done. And literally a week later, he was like, well, I don't know if I'm done. Because what do I always say, Victor? They always come back. And this was the other shoe that was dropping because the same week, almost the same day, that the Glover news comes out, the Luke news comes out. And that just blew me away because talk about lack of self-awareness. Yeah. Okay. I think there's there's a, a bit of a caveat here that you might not be saying. And I think it's the fact that, well, it's boxing. So that doesn't really oh. count. <laughs> I, I think I really do believe in my heart of hearts, as shriveled and black and destroyed as it is at this point, that... It has to do with that, that this is their internal rationalization. Like, well, I mean, you know, I'm done with MMA, but, you know, this is different. This is going to this this is going to be the one I'm going to be able to make something happen here. Boy, wait till they see what I got in these hands, baby. They're going to be able to get enough. <laughs> it's like... and, and what's funny is Luke was more known for his unorthodox jujitsu and grappling than he was for anything he had in his fucking hands. And his kicking game. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, if you take those two vital weapons away, what you got left? I guess he's got uh, rugged good looks and uh, and and a not very reliable chin. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. I, I don't know what uh, really. And, and look, I get it. You're again chasing paychecks, right? That is that is the the um, the, the light at the end of the tunnel for all these MMA careers is chasing another paycheck in boxing. It's either that or bare knuckle, which, I mean, I guess, yeah, you could consider that boxing is. You know, I think whatever. with Luke, he's not going to suffer. It's not like Luke can just go and say, hey, mom, pops, can, can you float me a couple of million so I can continue living in the lifestyle I've accustomed myself to? Yes, I want you to do this for me indefinitely. That's not how it works. So, yeah, um, Luke is definitely out there seeking a paycheck. But at the same time, Luke is also an incredibly vain person. I have interviewed him so many times so many times and he's an incredibly vain person so for him to lose the glory the shine of saying that i fight for the ufc or i was the strike force champion or i was the ufc champion etc at all for some especially for guys like luke like tito ortiz the ones that just have a problem with letting go it's because that fame and glory is a huge part of it as well well, I, I just, I really hope, and you mentioned Scott Coker, and I think, I, I, I'm just wondering, like, I really, really hope that Scott Coker saying, you know, we'll see what we can do, was sort of a placeholder. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I hope, think, I hope. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I don't think he goes to a bare knuckle FC. I think it'll be a strike force or a boxing. It won't be any of the smaller. A strike force? 
They still I'm got sorry. those. Before. Oh my god, I'm still in Strike Force mode. <laughs> It'll be a Bellator. You know, Scotty Strike Force, Scotty Bellator, same thing. Yeah, or as he called it one Spike Force. I think that was cute. <laughs> that was really good. That's one thing you can say about Scott Coker. He definitely has a, a, something of a sense of humor about that. And uh, and and he doesn't. He certainly doesn't shy away. Nor should he shy away from the spike. You uh, got me saying it. The strike force days, because you, you built something uh, sensational there. It's not like they went under because they were insolvent. I mean, they just their their major um, business partner dipped out and didn't want to be involved with MMA. Mostly, that was like the bigger thing. But it's not like they crashed and burned hard like other organizations have. So. You know, to have a spot now where he is and to see how comfortable he was bringing in former uh, Strike Force talent to Bellator and trying to do stuff with that. Um, I think it's kind that he didn't outright just flatly say no. But are you really doing Luke a service with this? I'm not. I, what? Where do you fit him? What do you do with a man like the current day Rockhold? You know, a guy that you know probably shouldn't be fighting in there. Do you give him attraction fights? If so, who? And into what capacity, to what end? What appeal does this have? There's a lot of questions there that I don't think we, it would take time to find the answers to. And I don't think that there's too many particularly good ones, but there might be. Yeah, because you can't put him in there with Johnny Eblen. Eblen would eat him alive. Oh, Christ, no. Jesus Christ. You can't even put him in there with Musasi. No. You know? You know, uh, uh, Lovato came back. I don't. You don't want to put him in there with him. You wouldn't put him in there with maybe John Salter, but John Salter's tough as shit. Mm-hmm. He's one of the one of the slickest middleweights that nobody really knows. In any event, there was the uh, the flip side of the coin. Now we're going to move on because, uh, in the interest of time, we do need to do a quick mini breakdown of last weekend's fights, and we have five fights to pick this weekend. So. Let me tell you how we did last week. Victor, you came out on top and you are now tied for first with Mookie. I am dead last. I'm one behind you guys. <laughs> so what happened was you correctly picked Saba Homasi. I mean, uh, excuse me, Brennan Ward to defeat Saba Homasi. I should have listened. You were right. Brennan Ward pulled it off. But where you were more right and where I bow to you is the Johnny Eblen fight because I made sure that I watched that one carefully because I wanted to see what you were talking about. And I picked up on what you were talking about but with his entries, etc. But what really shined to me was some things that I noticed on my own that you didn't speak about. And that is one, his fight IQ is through the goddamn roof. He makes yeah. those split second changes so quickly. He had two. He has very little wasted movement. Oh my god! Everything he does has a purpose, and you can see it the way he chains everything together. I mean, I was massively impressed because I watched his last fight, but I only caught the last little bit of it. This was my first full fight watching him fight, and man, I was impressed. So my hat is off to you with that one. Yeah, if you get a chance to go back and see the Musasi fight in full, yeah. I really recommend it. It went it went to a decision, I think. Yeah, it did. But, oh my yeah, I caught, god! Like, the it last, was... um, I want to say two rounds of it. Well, there's there's some supreme holy shit moments throughout. Like you really, it's just it's not what he was doing. It's like. He's doing it to that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, dude, Johnny Eblen, man. That he was doing it to Tokov too, because Tokov has excellent wrestling, and he nullified it very well. That first round was the only round where I thought to myself, maybe Tokov has got this. But after that, the adjustment he made in between rounds one and two was just massive. The turnaround was so quick. I, I just, I'm very, very impressed with Johnny Eblen. He's got my, that dude is easily, easily top 10 in the world, maybe top five in the yeah. world. I wouldn't have a problem if he came over to the UFC and immediately challenged for a belt. Would not have a problem whatsoever. I haven't interviewed a fighter or MMA personality in a very long time. I'd love to pick this guy's brand. Yeah, he's dude is uh, definitely going places. Um, We all got Ryan Bader correct. 
we yep. uh we all picked Tyra um correctly. Mookie was the only one that picked Sergey Spivak, though you and I defaulted to Derek Lewis in hopes that maybe we would see a glimpse of the old Derek Lewis that we know and love. But sadly, the polar bear just did not allow him to get virtually anything off. No, he he kind of ragdolled him a bit there, man. That was weird. That was that was tough to see, and you can't really fault Lewis too much to it at some point, but like. You also kind of like you've been in this game for long enough, man. I don't know. I've seen him. I've seen him deal like strength for strength with other guys, but grappling technique is 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 different. It varies from person to person. Um, this isn't just a guy who had like an NCAA pedigree. He was using different kinds of entries and trips and takedowns, and and he stayed on him, man. He put the pressure on. He fought him as smart as any. Has anyone fought Derek that smart? I don't even think. I don't even think DC got away with that kind of offense i think uh, there was a little bit of a combination of Derek has fallen you know how we always talk about the guys have two tracks they either fall off very gradually come apart a little bit at a time you know they they just start unraveling or you get a really steep drop they come to the top of the cliff and just fall that is Derek lewis I mean, one minute he's out there just standing up from massive takedowns and nobody can hold him down and he's knocking out motherfuckers left and right. You know, he's he's holding his own on the ground, at least to a point where that he's he's not getting worked over. But now I think that, you know, age and a lot of problems with his knees, his back, maybe those things aren't fully resolved. I think that him trying to get slim and trim also might have had something to do with his his raw strength and power. But I mean, the polar bear has been getting better and better every single fight. So I don't want to take anything away from him. And God bless him for finally getting his goddamn first bonus because when he knocked out Greg Hardy he begged for one and Dana ignored him probably because he knocked out Greg Hardy he got a knockout in his next fight I believe in any event every time he knocks someone out he asks for one and he's definitely deserved one for a while and now he finally got it well I mean that's you know man that that's that's kind of that's the the thing where you don't want to take away from the other guy, but that's that's what happened, you know. I mean, it, it it's it's a, a combination of factors, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lewis falling off to a degree, but Spivak got the job done. You can't take yeah. that away from him. Like, there's no way that you can look at what he did and say, "Well, I'm going to discount what he did because Lewis is probably just long in the tooth." Like, no, you no. you are not going to make that fucking mistake. That's just no. Yeah, because, you know, last thing to go is always power. And Lewis probably hangs very well with guys not ranked inside the top 10. Yeah, maybe. Unfortunately, there comes a point in a man's career and a woman's career where they don't contend at the top, where they're not the gatekeeper for the top three or the top five. Soon they become the gatekeeper for the top 10. And then it's for the ranked opponents in general from 15 up. And then you're basically keeping out the the scrubs, the riffraff. You you become a Jim Miller where you get the highly touted prospects. Those highly touted prospects come in and they get to meet Jim Miller. And, you know, what's the, <laughs> what's the kid's name, Mota, that just got that work, got starched, slept, just wiped out. You know, I mean, anybody that gets Jim Miller that's coming into yeah. the UFC, you can guarantee that you're going to get the fight of your life. Yeah. Has there, has there ever been a more through. venomous gatekeeper than that guy? Is it even fair to, I'm like, technically you. he is? But wow, that dude, man, oh man! And get this, his his opponent fell out for this next fight night after two eighty four is uh, fight night sixty nine. Get this, <laughs> you know who who the re- last moment replacement is? This poor Alexander fucking guy. the Great. Yes, they're gonna he's gonna lose again. Jimmy Miller's gonna give him another loss. Jesus Christ. He's like the Ray Allen of MMA. Oh, you thought you were going to get something. Hold on. Just let me give the ball to this guy. Watch. What? What's that? You want to drop from 155 to 145 and test the waters there? Oh, you just lost there too? Here, let's jump you back to 155. But 
You're gonna fight Jim Miller. Oh my One god. Jim Miller sweepstakes. Yeah, Oof. the worst phone call ever, for sure. <laughs> it's basically being given your walking papers because Jim Miller is definitely oof man. Anyways, so the standings right now. Mookie and Victor are tied for first at nine and six. Nine wins, six losses. I am a very distant second with one less than them. I am at eight and seven. Oh, wow. I know, right? Neck and neck. So now we are going to break down five fights from UFC 284 because if you're smart and you look at this card, you will realize that this card is built off the back of three fights. The top three. There are two title fights, you know, one's for an interim belt. And then there's a very good fight night quality fight. This makes an excellent undercard fight. I don't know that I would... Hmm, this makes a pretty good main card fight. I'll give it that. Randy Brown versus Jack Della Maddalena. Because yes. Jack Della Maddalena has got, you know, he's got champion written all over him. Yes. But the only... I had to struggle to find two others... Koulibau and Bagdasarian is flying under the radar. That's a really good stinking fight right there. But there's not a lot of name value and zero promotion of this card. Oh, for this card? Oh, you mean the, the card that's got that's got Parker Porter and Justin Taffa on the main card? Yes, exactly. And then the other one that stood out to me, and it's super low on the card. I would love to have had this fight in place of Justin Taffa, Parker Porter, is Loma Look Boomy versus Elise Reeb. What a fucking banger. I'm guessing that maybe Taffa being the local guy, you know, in a heavyweight who might be able to deliver... Uh, some kind of highlight real moment is what they're banking on for keeping him on the main card. And that's why we don't have something like, I don't know, someone who's a potential future title holder like Loma. Yeah. Uh, doesn't just, live that far, taking on a very tough Elise Reed. Yeah. So that is going to be our entry-level fight. We are going to look at Loma Lukbumi versus Elise Reed. And this is a pick I am taking Luke Boomi because I'm a fan and because I think that her toughness and willing to just wade right the fuck in in order to deliver what she's got is probably going to be the difference difference maker because Elise Reed is a little more cautious than, than Loma is. Loma is willing to go in there hell for leather right out the gate. So I am taking her, and let me see what is. I believe Mookie is taking her as uh, as well. Yes, yes. You see that even a child, from the mouth of babes, <laughs> you see this. You see what's happening here. Yes, even he is is recognizing the truth. Hey, listen, Elise Reed, as I said, very tough. Uh, does a lot of things right. Um, I just I just can't pick her. Loma is very very good at feasting on mm. fighters that want to rely on the takedown. She can outwork her in the clinch, and her striking is, I mean, she is a razor. This is the kind of opponent that she excels at defeating, and I don't really think that uh, it's, I mean, it's just not a good matchup for Elise. Uh, I I want to see her do well and have a good performance. I just don't think she's got too many avenues for victory, and I'm going to keep it at that, so I'm going to go along. All right. Next up. The, one, the other one that's flying way, way, way under the radar, Joshua Koulibal taking on Melsic Bagdasarian. And you got a 7-1 guy going up against a 10-1 guy. And, you know, Koulibal is the, the local. I cannot help but think that Bagdasarian is just the much more athletic. He, well, they're both very athletic, but I just feel like he's his technical edge is far superior. I I could be wrong here, but I got to take Bagdasarian, and I believe Mookie is taking him as well. Victor, how do you see this one going? I'm really torn on this one. Like, I, I do want to pick uh, Bagdasarian as well, but while I'm... <laughs> It's a hard one, right? They're both tough as nails. It's such a tough one because they're both like the thing with with, the thing about featherweight is no one really, no one's really getting much shine outside of the top Mm ten. You know, so I'm really, I'm really kind of 
torn on how this would even go. I mean, the only guy that Koulibaly has lost to, not just in the UFC, but professionally, was Jalen Turner. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Turner is really, really fucking good. So yeah. uh, that's not a loss that you can, you know, put too much stock into. He had the draw against Charles Jordan and another impressive performance. Um, I just... I think that maybe I'm going to have to go with uh, Bagdasarian. I'm not even 100% sure. I'm not going to give this any deeper thought or analysis. I'm just going to go with it. That's basically what I did. Okay. (sighs) All right. So all three of us are in agreement on the first two fights. Now we get to Randy Brown versus Jack Della Maddalena, and I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement on this one too because Randy Brown is an excellent athlete. But he has moments where his fight IQ just dips. I mean, it falls straight into the basement. And he doesn't use his range as effectively as he should. He likes to, he is easily baited to fight in the clinch when he should be using all of that range, especially those long kicks that he's really, really good at. But he's so easily baited, and Jack Della Maddalena is not the kind of guy that you want to be baited by because his hands are way better than yours, Mr. Brown. So I am taking Jack Della Maddalena, and so is Mookie. I'm pretty sure Victor is too because you've been on the Maddalena train forever. I've been telling people about mm-hmm. this fucking guy for a while, man. Yes, you have. He's just- I don't think it's so much Randy Brown. I mean, it, I think that he falls more into that category of guys that start to rely more on their athleticism when certain things don't work. Yep. And that's the kind of thing that you don't want to do against a Jack Dillon Atlanta because he is very precise. Somebody, um, that dude, Ocelot MMA, he uh, does a lot of threads for fighters, especially during fight week. I love this guy's work because mm-hmm. he just manages to find the most delicious shit. And he... Um, he posted a Jack thread, which I'm going to be sharing as well. Uh, I'm going to link to it, and, and, and you folks will be able to see it. Um, this guy, man, he's just so technical, and he's his accuracy with his striking, knowing when to go upstairs, downstairs, punishing dudes not just with body shots but leg kicks, punctuating his combinations, knowing when to get in and out. It's just like when he zones in, it's kind of like Anderson Silva. Once he's registered what you do and and how you move, that's it, man. It's it's the Terminator scanning and, and running all those lines and, and that's that's just where he uh that's where he shines. I'm pretty sure that him and his crew have got a pretty decent game plan how to figure out Randy Brown and that's that's gonna be rough because I love seeing Randy fight, but this ain't the kind of fight for him, I don't think. Nope, not at all. All right, next up we get to the co main event. Yeah, Rodriguez taking on Josh Emmett for the interim featherweight belt. Listen, Josh Emmett is a tough son of a gun. He's got that wrestling. He does have power, but it doesn't show itself as routinely as I would like it to. Yair Rodriguez is just a dynamo. The guy can do anything from anywhere. And for those of you out there thinking that Korean zombie knockout was a fluke, it was not. Slow down the video and watch. He clearly looks back and he throws that elbow with intent. I just cannot see, and I've not been 100% sold on Josh Emmett. I'm about at the 95% mark. And every time he fights someone and he wins in a battle of inches or something, I'm still not sold even though he's won. And I, I mean, at that point with him where he might beat your Rodriguez, but if it's a decision, if it's a split, I'm probably going to be looking at him with the side eye again. I can't <laughs> help it. And I like the guy. I really do. And I, I want good things for him because he seems to be a really nice person. But I just can't see a way around your Rodriguez for him. So I got to pick Rodriguez. Now, Mookie is picking your Rodriguez as well. And that's saying something because Mookie has been on the Josh Emmett train for a very long time. I mean, he's one of the first ones to say that guy has potential. So for him to pick Yer is saying quite a bit here. 
I'm just imagining like Josh Emmett listening to this podcast right now, and he's just like, "What do I need to do to make this motherfucker happy? <laughs> like, what, what needs to take oh place for me to convince this know. woman?" Oh, I know. Fights I know. are so tough and gritty and grueling. I mean, fuck. I know he's. I know the guys are super tough, but man, give me you some know, flash, dude. You're not saying it out of a place of haterism or no, anything. So no, I mean, I get no, it. No. I know what you. I know what you mean. I, and and we've seen fighters like this before, where you're like, yeah, they won. Why? You know, you're you're not. Yeah, there's there's just something that's kind of not quite over the edge that you know, really finally lets you go full bore and say, yes, this person is is going to be, uh, you know, destined for greater things and make that difference. Um, I, I, I'm i going to go with Josh Emmett, though. I think he's got the wrestling advantage. I think he's got the patience. I mean, it works against him sometimes, but then you, know, you look at the Michael Johnson fight, which, you know, I, I have to mention every time I had the pleasure of witnessing live. Um, he was very patient the whole time. He stood on his back foot. He didn't seem to put too much pressure he seemed like he was trying to put things together and he wasn't really um, wasn't really it, things weren't working the way he wanted them to or the way he maybe was comfortable with having them go. And once he found that one opportunity, that was all he needed. Yeah, he just needed one shot to plant this dude. And I'm not saying that yeah, it has the same kind of chin that Johnson has. I mean, Johnson has a hell of a chin, too. But uh, it's it's more of. I just think that someone who's able to turn the tide that quickly with very little, uh, that's that's the kind of guy that you really want to be wary of. I kind of think that um, I kind of think that Emmett has a lot of those tools. And if he has a bit more of a sense of urgency, he can make this much more of a crackerjack type of fight. Uh, yeah, it has the distance. He's got the kicks. He's got the mix up. But I, I just I'm, I'm just not really feeling that groove. I'm operating purely on fumes and vibes and I am going to go. Yeah. Are you going, Yair? Or you're going? I thought you said you were. Going... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. With Emmett. I'm sorry. Okay, Emmett. So I just want to make sure. All right. Finally, we are at the main event. And listen, I love Volkanovsky. I do. I agree with the people out there that have him at the pound for pound best top of the, the heap. I agree with them. But I think Islam is going to take that away from him on Saturday. There's a reason for weight divisions, size matters. And it's going to matter here. Now, I don't know that Islam is going to finish him. But I think Islam is definitely going to punish him for the entire fight. I think Alex is going to have his moments for sure. It, it stands to reason that he would. But I can't see him winning here. However, if he does, he will be my all-time GOAT. Of all time, all time, all time, all time. Let me emphasize that. Because if he can topple Islam Makachev, holy good God almighty. I mean, you have to give it to him. Am I right? I would say so. And so much so that I think that Alex is going to do it. Oh, see, I love that. I do. I love that faith in him. I want him to. It's not that I don't like Islam either. I think Islam's great. Fine, whatever. But Volkanovsky has a special place in my heart because I feel, one, that he is the best boxer, has the best boxing in the entire sport, not just in his division, not just in the UFC, in the sport. Watch him fight. I mean, he has some of the crispest, most technical boxing, and it's effective, too. I mean, wildly effective. Ask Max Holloway about that. You know what, man? The thing is also, and this is more of a just my own personal thing, as a former fat guy who got into combat sports really more a little later than he probably should have, you got to have solidarity. So, I mean, yeah, that also got to that, that, that boosts his profile to me in some way but it, it's just the fact that good god i've counted him out so many times mm. and i've seen him not just overcome but holy shit this man adapts he grows he gets better uh he, he's just a, a dedicated super fan in many ways and he's just such a brilliant analyst and one of the smartest fighters out there i'd put him up there with with john jones in terms of fight iq you know i'd put him up there with um Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, like all those guys that were known for just being able to um, come up with game plans and, and switch things up on the fly and, and just be able to pull rabbits out of hats at any given moment. 
you got to be able to respect that. And I, I absolutely do. And I'm not saying that you don't, but I'm just saying that I, there's no way you can just dismiss this man's chances of winning. And anyone that's doing that, well, you know, you, you might be in for some big surprise out of this. See, and I hope that happens. I just, I don't want to say that I'm dismissing his chances. I just think no, they're very limited. That's all. Now, so Mookie and I are taking Islam Makachev. Victor is taking Volkanovsky, and that is going to wrap up the show. Once again, if you are interested in sponsoring the show or know someone that does, please email me, crooklyn949 at gmail.com. What I want you to do right now, though, is follow this guy on Twitter, Vic M. Rodriguez, and also journey over to Instagram because he has an amazing Instagram feed as well, and that is Victor Sinister. Rodriguez. Now, I don't know his OnlyFans yet because that's going to get set up over the weekend, but we'll absolutely drop that here too. I imagine it's going to be a lot of getting in shape stuff or keeping in shape or jujitsu or stuff like that, but who knows? You might get some cooking videos. I mean, the sky's the limit. Anyways, Mookie is available on Twitter at Mookie Alexander, and you can find his work over at SB Nation's Field Goals website. Victor and I are still with Bloody Elbow and will be until the end. <laughs> and you can find our work over there. That's bloodyelbow.com. And if you listen to the pre-recorded outro, you can find out where to listen to this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow shows. So until next time, you know the deal. Please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>